Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Versus the Odds podcast. And today, we have a really awesome guest with us. She's a recent graduate of UNC Asheville, and she is a musician hailing from Raleigh, North Carolina. Her most recent release was No Longer Mine, a jazz and folk-infused EP. And today, she's going to be talking to us a little bit about what she does, how she's gotten here, and what she's going to be doing going forward. Please welcome Francis Eliza. Francis, it's so good to see you again. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I mean, the people who are listening now don't know, but we just got to catch up for a little bit. And it's been really nice to hear from you again because I well, I haven't seen you since we graduated from college. And you're actually one of the first people I ever became friends with in school. So I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm super excited to be here. I've never I never do podcasts or interviews. Uh through zoom audio really it's usually like an in-person type thing or a written interview so this is nice and refreshing and it's good to see you again yeah it's good to see you and believe me if i could do in person i'd prefer that but unfortunately i'm no longer living in north carolina and also i'm currently stuck home with covid so this is the first covid episode but one of the first things yeah (laughs) one of the uh one of the first things i knew about you when i first met you you know about three years ago was that you were a musician and obviously, you've gone to college to study this. So this is something that you've invested a lot of time and care into. So I guess the first general question is, like, when did you first start making music? And how did you know that that was something that you love doing? Yeah, um, I've been playing uh, music, singing primarily um, for pretty much my entire life. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a definitely a, a big question. Yeah, I had started singing when I was uh, four or five years old, a lot with my older sister. She's six years older than me. She also studied music in college, like I did. And, uh, yeah, we used to sing together all the time and release these little albums for my dad. (laughs) So we put, we made like eight different, uh, cover albums or CDs for him, um, over the years. And that kind of helped me realize how much I loved singing. And, um, and then through that, I like started to learn piano started to play guitar, took lessons, voice lessons, you know, um, as everyone does when they're younger. I was also in musical theater for a little bit, um, kind oh. of dabbling just to see like what type of music I really was drawn to. Um, Newsflash, it wasn't really a musical theater, but, <laughs> but it was nice to know that like what it was like to be in, in musicals. Um, yeah. And then when I was um, in middle school, Uh, like eighth grade, I started playing guitar a bit more and did a couple like talent shows and things like that, where I sang and played guitar. And from there, so when I was, I guess, about 13, um, that was when I started to like do more of what I do now, which is like singer, songwriter, folk music. Um, Yeah. And I, I guess I could say I gigged, uh, they were all pretty much unpaid gigs, but I I did unpaid gigs and open mics and things all throughout high school. I kind of explored classical voice a lot in high school. I did a some like opera programs back then, um, and classical voice training and stuff like that. And then when I got to college, I kind of shifted towards jazz music and studied jazz at UNC Asheville, but then continued to write more music and like write my own songs and explore like folk and pop. So yeah, I've uh, kind of dabbled with a lot of different sounds over the years. That's really cool. I didn't know that about you. I I knew that, you know, you were in the jazz program at UNC Asheville, but I didn't know you'd explored opera and classical as well. 
I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. <laughs> it's not what I really do. I would say I do now, but um, I think the foundation was really helpful to get into because it kind of, I mean, as a lot of people know and uh, talk about with classical employees, it kind of forces you to focus on like correct technique and making sure you have like healthy vocal placement. So I kind of stopped trying to force myself to belt um, songs out and hurt myself because I wanted to sound like Adele when I was younger. <laughs> so I like stopped <laughs> doing that and I kind of shifted to a different sound, which I think was more healthy for me at the time. And then like kind of use those techniques I got from some of my classical training to put into my own music and into like different genres over the years. Is there, is there, are there certain techniques that they teach you either in college or in early childhood programs for, you know, proper vocal cord maintenance? Cause I feel like that is a significant issue that performers face, especially if you're doing it a lot. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot, um, of different techniques. You, I feel like the preconceived notion a bit is that, um, you have to study classical voice, um, as a singer to use healthy technique. Um, and it kind of was true for me a bit because that was like my first avenue, um, through which I studied healthy technique. Um, but I don't think that you have to just study classical voice for that. I, I wish that more programs kind of um, focused on using healthy vocal techniques and like a proper breath control and things like that in other genres. Um, but yeah, when I studied classical voice in high school and did some voice lessons when I was younger, they would focus on breath control and like releasing your jaw, not having as much tension, um, opening up your throat a bit, like lifting your soft palate so that everything comes out more healthy and you're not like pushing sound through. Um, and that's definitely um, helped me throughout the years. Um, now I don't take any like voice lessons. I don't really need to, but um, it's definitely stuck with me. Like I, I know if I do like a three hour gig, I'm not going to be in pain afterwards, <laughs> which I think when I was younger, if I tried to do that, like a three hour show when I was 13, I would have not felt great afterwards. <laughs> so it's been it's been nice to like have that kind of foundation to uh, my music. I imagine so. I mean, I I feel like for for an artist whose art revolves on performance and, you know, a, an immediate interaction with an audience, you know, as opposed to, you know, filmmakers who, you know, there's a, there's all these um not I don't want to say barriers, but there's these steps in between the creation of their art versus the distribution of it whereas with music, I feel like it's a more uh, immediate immediate experience and you mentioned that you know you wanted to sound like Adele when you were younger and I yeah. can imagine as a musician you have people that you look up to people that when you're first starting out and trying to find your voice you are trying to compare not compare yourself but use people that you're inspired by as points of reference for cultivating your craft whether that's how you sing how you write so on yeah. and so forth were there any uh, musicians in addition to Adele that were you know, formative in your, you know, your musical cultivation, like maybe something your parents played around the house? Yeah, yeah, there were a, a ton of different artists um, that were formative um, in my music. I think Adele was a good example in like, maybe Taylor Swift and some other pop artists. Oh, sorry, there is a truck backing up loudly by my door right now. Ignore the beeping. Oh, it's, it's completely <laughs> inaudible. You are, amazing, you are amazing. I just made that up then. <laughs> um, yeah, I think some artists, like pop artists that I listened to on my own um, were influences, or I, I kind of thought were good influences for how I thought my voice should sound. Um, 
or like kind of louder and learning how to belt and things like that. But when I was much younger, um, my parents played different like folk artists around the house. My dad played Counting Crows all the time. And my mom played the Chicks, um, formerly known as Dixie Chicks, um, and Simon and Garfunkel a lot. So I listened to a lot of like mostly folk and indie uh, alternative artists when I was younger. And I kind of when I was in middle school and high school started listening to more pop. Like I didn't really grow up with a lot of pop music or influences like that. And I wasn't really listening to top 40. Um, I just kind of listened to classic artists, which is really cool. Um, but when I was in high school, I was like, oh, I kind of want to explore like what people my age are listening to right now, which obviously some of them were listening to what their parents were listening to and like classic rock and um, classic folk songs. But of course, everyone listens to like what's popular now uh, in the top 40. So I started kind of transitioning to listening to a bit of the contemporary music and trying to like fuse um, both styles together, I guess, and take inspiration from folk artists and bluegrass artists, and then also from pop female artists. It's even cool to see now how um, the music, like the music industry has become a little more varied so that people aren't necessarily in those clear cut boxes where you could, you could kind of draw those distinctions before. I don't know if this is something that you'd agree with, but now you see a lot of artists who are blending styles together. I mean, like, using Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift is a great example. I mean, I didn't grow up on her music and I wasn't a fan of her music until I listened to folk folklore and evermore. And those completely changed my opinion because, you know, they're blending, she was blending in, you know, indie rock elements, folk elements. And then you also see the rise of artists like Phoebe Bridgers and Claro. And for maybe, I don't know how much of a deep cut, deep cut this is for some people, but I really like Madison Cunningham. She's another musician. I really, Oh my gosh. She's actually one of my like biggest inspirations right now. No way. <laughs> yeah. So I would say, I mean, out of all those people, I listen to Phoebe Bridgers a lot too. And Clara, I listen to all of those artists. Um, But I'd say like top artists for me have been like in the past couple of years have been Taylor Swift, Madison Cunningham, like Julia Jacqueline, um, Phoebe Bridgers too. But yeah, Madison Cunningham is definitely, I mean, she like, she's already really popular, but she's grown a lot the past couple of years. And I like love the fact that she's really fused together the like indie alternative, jazz, folk, classical, like all of them together. It's kind of like the Punch Brothers for me because they're also one of my like top artists, but they're more um, focused on bluegrass um, and I guess bluegrass classical. <laughs> um, they do a lot of weird stuff, but uh, she reminds me of them where I, she's not like bound to one genre. And I, I, love- I don't think anyone should be, you know, but it yeah, obviously no. back in the day, I think it was a little easier to be like, like what you were saying on um, like, oh, I'm only going to be playing uh, classic rock or I'm only <laughs> going to be playing country. And it's like, you know, I, I don't think that you should have to do one thing. Like ideally, I would love in a couple of years to put out an album that's way more like bluegrass folk than my last one. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really cool to blend together all the different sounds you listen to <laughs> and like yeah. create something different. Like that's more original anyways. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, if music is going to be a direct extension of your emotions or your lived experiences and your lived experiences encompasses um, or they encompass uh, growing up with different genres of music and different influences, you know, different sounds to accompany certain feelings, then why not have that reflected in your own work? I mean, I, I don't know how that would draw a comparison to myself as a writer, but, you know, blending, you know, certain vocabulary, like maybe using slang terms to, you know, reflect 
what it was like growing up in uh, more like a cosmopolitan Southern environment or, oh, I don't, I don't know, maybe using certain character types of, uh, you know, toxic masculinity, like you see in, yeah. in literature. I'm, again, I'm, I'm kind of struggling to, to, to pull an adequate comparison, but what I'm attempting no, but to I say. I get what you're saying. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. No, I, I do get what you're saying. Yeah. I think um, it's a, it's a good to have that healthy extension that is multifaceted. And I think music is a great conduit for doing so. There's, there's a reason I, I still listen to, you know, it's, it's probably, probably the, the art form I consume the most. Um, yeah. And for I the purpose of that, those people consume the most, but they don't even realize it. I mean, I everyone's an active listeners, obviously, like you're one of those where you are being very thoughtful when you're listening to music and knowing that it's like a part of your everyday life. Um, but I feel like a lot of people, you know, like I've studied this a bit in different college courses I took, but a lot of people just don't realize how important music is in their everyday life. Like if they're singing along to something in the car or if you're in a coffee shop and there's music playing, like that has a huge effect on your mood and like what you're thinking about. And oh, yeah. like that, you know, I also love it when a song and I'm sure you can relate to this too, when a song gives a voice to the difficult emotions that you've been possessing and haven't been able to quite articulate and it can do that for you. Um, and I find a lot of the music I listened to growing up is is you know taking on a new meaning now that i'm older like there is there's this mac demarco song i really love now called watching him fade away it's the closing track on his 2017 album this old dog and listening to it it's such it's my favorite of his i love that one so much but i listen to it now as an adult and through a different light those words in the song can really help me describe my feelings surrounding um a falling out i had with an old friend and yeah. about how like it still hurts to like see them leave even though you know that that connection is over and that friendship is gone or that relationship is gone and i keep having those little moments of awareness about my music and it's like you're saying how you're studying your college courses like the different ways in which music can have an impact on you and why it's so important yeah and and kind of going to what you're saying like going off of that um yeah it's been interesting for me like getting older and kind of looking back on the music that I grew up listening to or what I listened to when I was in middle school. Um, Cause especially when I, you know, like in that, that age range, I was going through so many intense emotions and I used all of the music I listened to on the school bus to help me with everything. And I've, you know, like, as I've gotten older, I look back and I'm like, Oh, none of those songs were like at all what I was dealing with. I'm just thinking like in my brain that I listened to Lana Del Rey all the time when I was like 12 or 13 and, oh. um, and like LaRue and Kathleen Edwards and they're all great artists with great albums but most of the material that they explore was something that I couldn't actually understand or relate to when I was 12 years old <laughs> because I was 12 and and like as I've gotten older I've listened back to their songs and like have realized that I've experienced more of the things they're actually talking about and now I have a deeper connection to it than I even did or even thought I did when I was 12 or 13 but how could I oh <laughs> my know, god back then <laughs> no I, com I completely relate to that like that that's why some of the music that I I either listen to now are you know it's it could be music that I liked in high school and yeah, had yeah. a deep connection to like I love like one song that always you know stirs up some sort of feeling within me and sometimes you know brings me to tears because of 
how powerful it is is the song space song by beach house oh my gosh that's, that's also a song that gets me crying <laughs> it, it, I, I don't know how they do it that song. yeah it comes on um like all the time when i'm sitting at a coffee like sitting at different coffee shops around here and um every time it comes on i'm like oh god is this gonna be a good day like am i gonna react well to this i was <laughs> like oh, as soon as the, as soon as victoria legrand i don't know how to say her last name but as soon as victoria from beach house says somewhere in these eyes i'm on your side i'm like god damn you're sobbing, you're sobbing in the coffee Im shop <laughs> imagine someone looking at me and perceiving me and understanding <laughs> me oh my god ah like it's yeah and that's one of those ones that's interesting to me because like that song i very much connected or it used to connect with a like an old partner of mine um and every time it came on i just like completely connected it with that person and i think i've always done that um since i was younger like which I think a lot of us do have connected songs um, to specific people and to specific events and nights and things. And honestly, as I've gotten older, I've tried to stop doing that as much. So I don't ruin <laughs> these like amazing songs for myself. Oh, yeah. um, it, like, cause that song now I can listen to it. It still makes me upset, but, uh, but it, I don't know. It feels more like cathartic um, or I don't know, nicer. <laughs> Just, I feel relieved and I, you know, I've gotten over some, shit with other people yeah. you know past lovers or whatever um but yeah it's nice I feel like I can listen to that now without completely breaking down but back when I was yeah. 17 I had the same same issue I'd listen to that song and I was just a wreck <laughs> I was like what is this I'm not even like I'm not even exactly listening to the lyrics I just hear the first chord and I start crying <laughs> and it'll, it'll do it I mean that's to a certain extent maybe not at the level of intensity that you're talking about but I like I found myself recently being unable to listen to a certain singer just because, you know, not not because I didn't like her music, but because it reminded me of a girl I used to like and I was seeing for a little bit. And it was painful because, you know, as much as I enjoy the music, like at this moment in time, the those songs are tied to those memories of her. Yeah. And it's it's still an ongoing process of like moving on and reaching a healthy ground to it and until then I'm gonna have to like put that music on the back burner and that's yeah. tough and that's okay and that's okay you know yeah it is tough um I've been there a lot with different musicians artists that I listen to and enjoy where I I realize like oh I I shouldn't like listen to this right now like it's making me feel like sometimes you know it can it can kind of feel conclusive it's like helping you uh bring a relationship to a close or something but sometimes it's just, it's just too hard. Like you need to take a step back and in a couple years revisit that music and you'll probably have some newfound appreciation for how it made you feel at the time, you know, instead Definitely. of making yourself suffer through it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, I mean, no matter at what stage in that process you're in, like music will always be there for you. And yeah. it sounds like, you know, music has always been there for you. And it's always been a significant yeah. part of your life, whether it was in middle school, listening to a song that, you know, gave words to your feelings or, your own process of dabbling in different types of music to know what you want to create. Like, it's so obvious that that's such a significant part of you significant enough that you wanted to study in college. And yeah. to just to clarify, like you tell me or tell us, I suppose what your major was in college and what your experience was like, you know, learning and growing as an artist within that program. Uh, yeah, my major was a BFA, so Bachelor of Fine Arts in uh, Jazz and Contemporary Music. Um, I specifically focused uh, on the voice and singing, although that 
wasn't like in my degree title, <laughs> but I, I mostly focused on singing. Um, and it, I had a good experience. Yeah, I, I went to UNCA. I completed it in four years, which I, when I got there, they kept kind of saying that I might need to add a year because I think the degree, the program itself is really difficult and there's so many requirements. <laughs> they were like, you might, you might need to just stay an extra year so you don't kill yourself over this like these jazz tunes. Um, but I ended up doing it in four years somehow. I I took like like almost every semester I took eight classes, <laughs> which is insane. Like when I've kind of stepped back away from it, you know, over the past year now that I've graduated, I'm like, wow, it, it's really nice to not have a thousand things going on. <laughs> um, but it, it was really, it was really a good program. The professors at UNC Asheville, specifically in the music department, were super helpful in my like um, adult development as a jazz singer. I kind of mentioned this before, but I, I didn't study jazz until I got to college. And when I was applying for UNC Asheville, I came to my audition with, uh, I think it was like a bluesy folk song, a classical song and a jazz standard. But at the time I had no idea really what a jazz standard was. It was like just the most popular jazz tune I could find. <laughs> and I And I came prepared with that. Um, and it was like the first jazz song I'd really sung in front of anyone. Um, and so I kind of, I came with not that much knowledge of that genre. And I feel like I left university with a, a pretty, pretty decent amount of knowledge <laughs> and experience. I, I think that one of the most beneficial parts of UNC Asheville um, in the music program was getting to have connections with other musicians, uh, local musicians in different bands and projects and getting to meet more people who could connect me to jazz jams and um, funk jams and different, just different events I could go to. Um, like my main reasoning for wanting to go to UNC Asheville was not only for the, the program and the teachers, but it was for the community of uh, music and like live events. I was just really looking for a city where I could go to a show every single night if I wanted to. Um, meet different artists every night and play different sounds and not be limited to like classical music or bluegrass. And for with that in mind, I think UNC Asheville was a really good fit for me. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I like the program. I, I took so many amazing classes. Um, uh, yeah, I took a lot of ethnomusicology courses, jazz history courses, probably like up to eight different music theory classes, um, ranging in classical to jazz. And I, it definitely, definitely benefited me. I feel like I know a lot more about jazz. Um, definitely not everything. I'm still learning all the time, but, <laughs> but no. I know a lot more than I ever thought I would. <laughs> as we, as we all are along, along our years in life is picking up the little piece of information, molding it and helping us and so on and so forth. And whether or not you're, you know, you're at UNC Asheville itself or you're within the community like even as someone who wasn't making music there I could see how prevalent the artistic energy was there um, and you know the Asheville music community is is something that you know if you're listening to the show and you have never been to Asheville or you've never heard much about it like there is such a vibrant local music scene I mean there's the um, was it the the shape was it called shape of the crowd or something there's that DIY magazine I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but um, <laughs> it's it's a collection of, of photographs of um, of local shows and just the music that comes out of that scene is so is just phenomenal. Like going to see bands like Forteza or Saratina 
or even bands like that are really big like um like Wednesday is now making waves on a national level. You know, Angel Olsen lives there. Moses Sumney lives there. A.V. Tear from Animal Collective lives there. Oh, and I can't forget Bex, another great local musician. You know, it just it goes on and on. And I like I think you already kind of confirmed this before, but you said being a part of that community, like strengthened you as an artist. Uh, yes, it definitely did. Um, I there was. Yeah, there's both the the Asheville music community in the downtown area and then UNC Asheville itself had their own kind of music community where they curated uh different events like weekly um on campus so there were both of those for me which was amazing so when I was in school I I was constantly playing shows on campus uh like different um uh, like at the student union there were they would hold that monthly mm-hmm. uh performance and I would I would okay. play there all the time and get to connect with the UNC Asheville students. And then I would be able to book gigs at breweries and coffee shops downtown and meet other like musicians through those gigs and then book more. And a lot of the UNC Asheville faculty, the music faculty are gigging musicians as well as the professors there. So they always would be uh, teaching classes and then that night going to a gig and I would go to those shows to see them there and not only see them in the classroom setting and then they could connect me to more of their musician friends who play <laughs> around town so yeah I, I made a lot of connections through the university and then and then on my own just being in the town like getting to go to gigs and shows on my own all the time and meeting more musician friends who know more people you know it, it always has made me realize like kind of how small the community can be, like how small in Asheville it is, but also just how small it kind of is globally. <laughs> like I, I've met a lot of people who like, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like with all of the bands you just mentioned, um, I know all of them know of each other. Um, all of the musicians in those bands know each other. And like, I constantly would go to like house shows and meet someone who's like, oh, I know this musician that you play with, or I know this other artist. Um, who knows this musician that like I've looked up to for years. Um, so it, it's interesting, like as I've gotten older and played more, how kind of small it can all seem um, or that it's much easier for me to imagine myself playing on bigger stages because I, I meet a lot of people who've worked with musicians that I've admired for years, you know? Yeah. And having a part of having that community not only helps you grow, but it also provides an audience for you to share what you've made so far and where you're at and i know during your time in college you released a lot of music there's a lot of a lot of it being on streaming services and i think the first song of yours i ever heard was a song called selkirk i think that's the like when i think of your music that's the first one that comes to mind and i was wondering like what what is what is what does the name selkirk mean to you and how like what how did you come about creating that song um, yeah, that, so that song I, I wrote in, I think 2019. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll go back a little bit and then I'll explain to Kirk. Um, gotcha. I had put out, a two, two EPs when I was in college and the first one I put out in 2019. So right before the world ended a little bit, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, back in the good days. And uh, at the time I, I was kind of like, I'd been writing music for like five years, but I had never really felt like it was uh, good enough for people to fully relate to. Like I, I thought it was decent, but I, I didn't know if people could really understand what I was talking about. 
Um, and at that point, I, I just had a couple friends who listened to my songs and really related to it. And I would play some new material at my smaller coffee shop gigs and people really related. And so I, I put out that project in December 2019, I think. Um, that was my album Sleepwalking. And then around that time, I did like a mini tour around North Carolina. And I I had written Selkirk around that month. Um, I think, yeah, the end of 2019, early 2020. So I wrote that song a while ago, but didn't end up releasing it for, I think, another two years. Um, but yeah, I wrote Selkirk, which is the name of a small town in Ontario, Canada, uh, where my my dad, he doesn't live there, but he does live in uh, that kind of area of Canada now. And his uh, his parents, so my grandparents are from uh, from Selkirk. And I had been I, though, around those couple years dealing with different losses and grief with my grandparents. I had lost my um, my grandmother, my mom's mom back in 2015. And then my grandfather and my grandmother on my dad's side in 2018 and 2019. Uh, so I really wanted to like integrate uh, some sort of name <laughs> from a Canadian town, uh, just integrate them into the song, especially my grandfather, who is really um, into my music. So that was where the name came from, uh, that town. And yeah, it's just a, definitely a song that I I wrote for myself and kind of a healing process of dealing with grief and loss and growing up and kind of seeing the people in your life in a new and, and different light. Like I, I think as we all, we all go through this, but once you get a little older, you, you take, take a step back and, and realize everyone's not as perfect as you thought they were. Oh, yeah. um, we, always, we always realize that obviously with our friends and family and stuff like that. So, so yeah, that song was just, it was kind of um, my own process of healing and dealing with grief. And yeah, and then I played it on that tour and it was honestly not at the time, not the song that stood out to me. Like I, I played like 10 other songs and I was like, oh, this, this song's Elkirk, like some people might like it. <laughs> and, uh, and it ended up uh, like six months later or six months to a year later being a song that uh, me and my old producer focused on heavily. And he, he saw a lot of potential in it. And a lot of my other friends did. They were like, oh, this is a song that sticks out to me the most. Like, I don't know how you you didn't see that at the time. <laughs> and then uh, once we put it out and I after the whole recording process and everything, I um, like listening to it now, I definitely like it, it's definitely one of my favorite songs that I've written. And the lyrics meant a lot to me when I wrote them. But I every time I perform it now, I still feel like super connected to it. And, you know, not to be silly, but, you know, still get goosebumps when I sing it, which is good. I haven't lost the like enjoyment for that song because I've definitely had some other songs over the years that I, I still connect to. But I, I take a step back and I'm like, oh, I can't really relate to this anymore. You know, I'm not in this yeah. mindset. Uh, but the song is, yeah, it's been a healing process for for me. That song I've really used to help uh, help me feel better about everything. <laughs> I mean, it's it, at least it's obvious to me because that was the one song that's like one of the premier songs that you've made that have really stayed with me and stayed in my memory. So I think for that reason, it's, I think it's 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 effective storytelling. It's a it's effective creation because I mean, you've now that you've explained the context and the background, it makes a lot more sense. And it definitely, I could definitely feel it in the music, which is 
one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, that, I've I've really appreciated all of the feedback and um, positive reactions that my friends and people and, and not friends, just strangers I meet at gigs <laughs> have uh, given me with that song in particular. I'm I'm always just really happy to hear um, when one of my songs has uh, spoken to somebody else in their own way, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what music should do, but <laughs> it's Absolutely. nice to know that I'm like, I, I've become a more effective storyteller and telling my own stories to other people um, can move them and in their own way, you know? Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, with the songwriting on Selkirk, I can tell that it's been something that you've been working on you know, throughout your career, cultivating your voice, cultivating your style. And I was wondering, you know, how would you describe your songwriting process? Like, is it exclusively from lived experiences? Do you, do you draw from other modes of storytelling? Like what does your songwriting process mean for you? Uh, yes. Okay. I got to stop starting my sentences with, uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, My songwriting process has definitely changed throughout the years. Um, still changing, I think as it does for all songwriters. Um, but I've, I, I've pretty much, uh, most of my released music, almost all of it is kind of derives from stories, uh, lived experiences of mine, but some of the songs I, I, I will take like bits and pieces of experiences or things that have happened to me and kind of mix it with something that I know happened to a friend or, or a story that I've heard. Um, and that's made for some really interesting stories. <laughs> like my, my song intertwined, that's a pretty heated song. And when I wrote it, I didn't have anybody in mind. I kind of was just writing, like just putting out a ton of different words and seeing what fit, what sounded good kind of leaving it open. And then I kind of came back to the song a couple months after starting it and started pulling in little tidbits of things that had happened with me and a guy I was seeing at the time or had been seeing and I stopped seeing him. So I started pulling in kind of things from our relationship and making the song make more sense in my own life and in the context of my life at the time. So I've, I've definitely kind of done that with a lot of my own material, like mixed and matched stories, which also helps me because it means that I don't have to say like, this song is specifically about this guy. Because <laughs> yeah. you know how people love to hear a song and be like, who's that about? Like, tell me who, tell me yeah. who Little Man is. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> asks me that. They're like, who is the Little Man? And I'm like, like, I don't, I don't want to tell you, but also I think that it, it can change. You know, I think that when I sing one of my songs, it, that can mean I, I might be directing it towards someone one day, but then the next day think like, oh, no, this could totally be about this other problematic person right now. <laughs> like composite <laughs> like I, narratives. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, my songwriting process has changed a lot. I, I wish I, I wish I was the type of person who could just sit down and completely write a whole whole song and make it all make sense when I'm writing it but instead when I write I usually will start like a verse of a song and record it all on voice memos um and I'll yeah I'll record like a verse and then I'll and then I'll stop and then I'll start about four other song verses (laughs) I usually will start like like five to ten different songs in a sitting and then I'll leave them and come back later Um, I'll be like in my car listening to awkward voice memos of me singing random verses and I'll kind of pick and choose what I think 
is the catchiest, what sounds the best. And usually when I give myself like a couple weeks or months on to sit on some verses I've written, then when I come back to it, I, I realize like, oh, that that one was really, really good. And that one is not really good. <laughs> like, I, should, <laughs> I should not keep exploring that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I wish I've been trying to work on um, like sitting for longer and uh, writing one song for a longer time instead of doing what I've been doing, which is kind of taking time away from certain songs and coming back to them. I mean, obviously there's not one way to write a song. Everyone knows that, you know, just like with just writing anything in general, like we all have our own approaches to them. Um, but it can sometimes be, it can sometimes leave me with a writer's block um, mm -hmm. because I'll, I'll start a ton of different things and not know how to finish them. <laughs> and I'm such a perfectionist with all of my work that if I, if I listen too much to one thing, I'll, I'll criticize it for too long <laughs> and, and not go forward with it, which is partially why, like, I haven't released anything since my album that came out last year is because of how much I can kind of get in my own head about making sure everything is, you know, what in my eyes, perfect. <laughs> I completely understand. That's how I am with my writing. I feel as though, like, I need to know a hundred 110% what it is that I'm trying to say. And then I have to, you know, feel completely confident that I'm expressing it in the right way that not only feels right to me, but also feels like a reader could understand what it is I'm saying. Like there's, there's little to no miscommunication. And that's such a weighty task. And I feel like you, you probably could deal with that in songwriting too. And yeah, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm just like you, I have that perfectionist edge, which has yeah. interfered with a lot of projects because if it doesn't, if I'm not getting into that rhythm that I'm looking for, then I feel like I feel sick and discouraged. I'm just like, I don't want to fucking do this. This doesn't feel good anymore. Like, what's the point? Yada, yada, yada. But I, even I recognize that, like, at least for me, it's a detriment if I get stuck in that pattern for too long. And, you know, I, I like what you said about, you know, making sure that you have the time and the space to revisit certain projects, because I feel like that's so important especially for for artists like you and I who struggle with that feeling of perfectionism is knowing, you know, when to have that grace with yourself and when to come back and reinvest yourself in a project. It's it's a, it's a good lesson. Yeah, it it has been definitely a good lesson over the past few years. I have always been a big perfectionist when I was younger um in high school and as I've gotten older it's definitely gotten more intense. <laughs> um but I mean in the end it's led to some uh, songs that I feel really proud of and I'm glad like my my process of leaving some songs behind and not releasing them and then coming back to them has done well for some of them uh, like my song Oberlin Road was a the melody and the guitar part was something that I came up with when I was like 13 years old and then I and then I didn't play it or think about it for like five years and then when I came back to it and I was like 18 or 19 I um I kind of had a clear mind and was like, oh, I have a story. Like I now have something that I can actually express through this melody versus when I was 13, I didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> I didn't know like what story to tell, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it was nice with that one. It was much easier because I already had this melody created and this idea of what I wanted. And then I didn't, my perfectionism really didn't get in the way for the writing of that song. I just kind of spilled it all out, you know? And yeah. most of my songs I put out last year on No Longer Mine were, were songs that came a bit easier to me, like the writing process. Um, 
but then songs I'm working on now, it's a, it's definitely a little harder to figure out like what, what I need to say and like what new concepts I can get across to other people to help people through different situations that aren't just what they heard in my last project or the one before that, you know? Yeah. I and mean, what we want is clarity, right? That's the best that we can hope for is to feel like we're communicating um, our craft or our art in a way that feels authentic, but also in a way that is um, easy to discern, you know, from an audience perspective. And it's such, it can feel like a massive weight to balance that. At least I, at least that's how I feel. Um, I completely empathize with what you're saying. It's a, it's a, it's a continuous process, but it's one that is always going to be worth revisiting. And that's the reason that we, you and I continue to do what we do. Um, and I think about, you know, spaces of creation, you know, not only the mental space, but the actual, the actual physical spaces as well. Um, you know, for me, my, my mode of creation, you know, revolves around my laptop. So, you know, having my computer in front of me, my coffee on one side, a notebook here, um, various pieces of art or knickknacks, a wallet, maybe that's what it feels good. That's what feels good to me as a creator, as a writer, as an artist. And I was wondering, um, you know, being someone who spent time in studios, who's probably written lyrics at home or at coffee shops, et cetera. When, when I ask you, what does your creative workspace look like? What comes to mind when I ask you that? Um, I guess well, the, the listeners cannot see where I am right now, but no, they cannot. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in my, my sunroom in my apartment. And usually in the past couple of years, I, I've started a lot of writing in this room. Uh, it's like kind of my music space. Uh, so I have all my instruments, as you can see, but it's a lot of guitars and a piano and plants and hanging lights. <laughs> Remind me of painting sun, just quoting my own son. just gotcha. quoting my own <laughs> But yeah, and a lot of hanging lights and um, all of those things definitely kind of embody a, a nice, comfortable space for me to work in. Um, and I usually do, yeah, have my laptop out. I have a couple... Google Docs at this point that are just like hundreds of pages of stray lyrics. <laughs> I I use that. I used to use a notebook and write down a ton of lyrics when I was in high school, but I realized that it's actually easier for me if I'm on my laptop to quickly edit something than if I write something down handwritten and I have to just like scratch it out because that's kind of what I was doing before. Um, but yeah, it, that's kind of a nice space for me here. I I don't, I have a hard time being as creative in a studio sense. Uh, a lot of people know this about me and my friends and stuff, but I, I have an easier time performing at like coffee shops and breweries and venues and on stages. I get a lot more comfortable in spaces like that. I feel like I can connect really well with other people, the listeners, people watching me. But whenever I'm in a studio, I feel a lot more restricted uh, that perfectionism I was talking about always kind of kicks in. And whenever I'm recording something, I am like, oh, I need to do this 10 more times. And it's not because like a lot of people say this about being in the studio. It's not because I, I need it to be perfect, but it's because I know I, I can't connect with anyone because I'm not looking at anyone and I'm singing usually to a wall. <laughs> mm. So, so it's been interesting over the years. Like I think a really hard thing for me and part of why I've it's also hard for me to um, like put out more music is because getting into the studio always kind of intimidates me or stresses me out. Um, 
yeah, I, I feel a lot more comfortable like writing at home and then playing those songs and my new material for a live audience. And that's like another comfortable space for me. Like I feel like I can try a lot of new things when I'm performing solo live or with a band um, just because I have like the physical, I guess, validation from um, from the audience, you know, it's like they're they're enjoying it. They're connecting. So it's not just it's usually not like about me. It's like, oh, are these other people feeling comfortable? Do they do they relate to the songs? Do they look like they're enjoying themselves? Like all of those things kind of factor into uh, my motivation to like write new songs, you know? Yeah, well, there's, there's like when when uh when you're performing live, there's a sense of emotional re uh, reciprocation, and that stuff is so important. You know, that's that's how you that's how you can kind of feel out, you know, where your strong points are, where your weak points are, and yeah. you know, it it also just all all around live performance is affirming. I mean, this is coming from someone with very limited musical performance experience who hasn't done it since high school, but even then, I remember that that warm holistic feeling, and it's 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 good, and to know like where those spaces are for you or as an artist and, and uh, you know as a creator in general it's important um mm -hmm. and now that you know now that we're coming to the end of the episode uh there's two last things i wanted to ask you and that is one you know what do you see or what do you hope to see in your future as a musician and as a creator and two are there any musicians that you know or appreciate or even within like the Asheville community that you'd like to put a spotlight on and that you could highlight for other people who might be interested Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I guess I'll start with the, the second part just to confuse everyone. Um, yeah, hell yeah. um, just so I don't forget the people I'm thinking about. Um, yeah, jazz wise, um, they've been in the area for a long time. Um, I always enjoy going to little jumbo. It's a cocktail bar on Broadway street. And I always enjoy going there to see different, uh, jazz artists like the core which is a group that has um, a, a lot of, it's like a five or six piece uh, jazz band, but it has Justin Ray and Jacob Rodriguez, Bill Bears, uh, Zach Page, and I think Justin Watts. So all of those, I'm surprised I knew all their names, full names. <laughs> it was, I didn't know that would come out. <laughs> all of them. And then um, like Brian Felix, who's also been the chair of the UNCA department, his uh, project, he has a organ trio that he plays with a lot um, and he'll play at Little Jumbo. So for jazz, that's always where like artists that I like to listen to and places I like to go, that would be Little Jumbo. And then also Gigi's Underground, which is a like a speakeasy cocktail bar uh, that opened up like sort of recently, I think like six months ago. And that's in downtown Asheville. And for folk artists, uh, Catherine O'Shea, She's really great. She plays banjo mostly. She's a songwriter and I might be playing a show with her in a couple months as well. So she's really good. She's like her lyrics are kind of similar to lyrics that I would write. You know, she's kind of in the same vein. Um, they're very vulnerable lyrics. Uh, she's really good. And pretty much anyone who plays at Open Folk, I'm just plugging a lot of things right now, but Open Folk, if you have you heard of that? I haven't actually. You, haven't? you would you would love it. It's um, uh, it's called Open Folk, and it started about a year and a half ago. And this guy, his name is Zach. I'm trying to remember his last name. I don't remember his last name, but his name is Zach. Yeah. And he he started this event that's held usually once a week, and it's basically 
uh, curated songwriter night where they get six different songwriters from Asheville or from out of town. Um, they're all, it's kind of like a curated open mic, I guess. They're all like really great songwriters and singers and guitarists. And it's an unplugged event where everybody will come in and play three original songs. They have to be original. And yeah, and I've, I've gone a couple times. I've played a couple times there. And everyone who plays there is always really good. And it's a great way to meet different folk artists in the area, in the Asheville area. Um, and it usually has like a rotating venue, which is also a cool touch. Well, that's <laughs> um, really cool. And then, yeah, I, I'm plugging too many things right now. But the well, last thing is... More the merrier. Yes, just, I'll just keep going. The last one, um, there's also great uh, funk, like soul community here too. I, I don't really play or sing funk or soul music, but I have so many friends who do. So my friend McKenny, she's been playing for years with her mom around town. Um, and so they play a lot at One World downtown or in one stop, not one world, one stop downtown and the Asheville Music Hall. So for sort of funk, soul or jam bandy music, um, One World West or Asheville Music Hall or One Stop are all great places for that. And yes, I just plugged so many people, but oh, <laughs> and there's many more artists in that too. But those are all like, like what I think of when I think Asheville downtown. <laughs> yeah, this is what people need to know. Yeah, all of the the hot gossip about the most popular musicians around town. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> and then back to the first question. Okay, so I went off on the second the second part. Uh, the first one you were asking what What's, I see. Yeah, what do you see? What do you see or hope for in your future as a as a musician? Yeah, so I I actually just started a new position, a part time job as a private vocal instructor. So that's Ooh. been a new change in in my life, my career. Um, I am teaching a range of people from like age five to 70, essentially, <laughs> like pretty much any age. Um, and I just started doing that. And that's been kind of something that has um, reminded me how much I love singing, although I've, I've never fully forgotten that. But it, it's really nice to kind of uh, switch over from being taught music by a ton of different teachers to then teaching people, you know. And uh, focusing on like what I was talking about like an hour ago, <laughs> focusing on um, um, vocal techniques, you know, and getting to help other people uh, do what they want to do and sing what they want to sing. Uh, so I'm going to be with that company or that uh, school for the next year, probably at least. And I'll be teaching some students part time. And that's really been motivating me to want to continue playing more shows <laughs> not that I've ever not wanted to do that <laughs> um but I've been booking shows for the whole year so I have a I have a run of gigs already booked for over the summer I have some in May June and a lot in July booked and a lot of them are solo shows so I'm gonna kind of continue what I've been doing which is like playing intimate um solo songwriting guitar gigs at coffee shops and breweries around North Carolina and then I'm also trying to book more shows with my band, which is more of that like indie rock, uh, jazz infused music. So I'm trying to book a couple shows that are on like bigger stages for this year. And I'm potentially going to play at a couple music festivals too. Um, wow. 
Yeah. Awesome. So there I'm trying, well, we'll see. I probably shouldn't say this because I haven't been told that I'm <laughs> that I've been, I haven't crossed. been invited, but fingers crossed. I had applied to, to uh, sing at the festival uh, women to the front festival. And they had it last year. I think that was the first time they held it, but it's like an all women's um, music festival that's held in Asheville. So I hopefully will play at that. And then besides that, I'm trying to release some new music. I've been working on <laughs> releasing my song, Notice Me, that I wrote like a year ago at this point. And I played it a ton live. And that song has been, yeah, fully recorded. And pretty much it's almost done. My my lovely partner has been editing, mixing it, and adding a ton of cool it's very phoebe bridgers-esque he's oh hell yes yeah he's hell been adding yeah. a ton of cool sounds to it i've been kind of shifting as a lot of people in my life know like i'm i'm not working with the same producer now so i'm trying to work with uh like figuring out how to i don't know how to shift my sound a little bit and work with new people who like new mixing engineers and um recording producers and things. So yeah, I'm hoping that that will at least get released this year. I know it will. Um, date is to be announced. Gotcha. <laughs> so gotcha. I'm just hoping to maybe put out a like a more intimate, like folk broken down, you know, stripped down um, EP. That's what I would like to do is kind of go back to what I play live, which is usually a little more stripped down and less like my last album. Although I love my last album, but it's a little more like rock pop you know so this next the next material coming out will probably besides notice me be a little more um stripped down and folky <laughs> yeah well, early tv bridgers energy you know <laughs> perfect well i'm super stoked for that i'm definitely gonna <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be plugging that song everywhere i can as much as i can and uh you I know what you saw me i think you that was the one i played at my um my senior recital last year at unc Asheville. It was, it was a very intense one <laughs> it's a very I, song it's on brand for a lot of my music <laughs> i remember that one you know that was a really good recital um i had a, a, a very warm introduction to your family as well at that oh, yes. recital. And i was like <laughs> yeah. oh my god the the whole the whole the whole, the whole gang <laughs> i was like wow i i like i want to be friends with these people immediately now yeah, well i love my sister she's she's very she's very loud and outgoing like me <laughs> yeah she was she was cool she was i didn't get to talk to her a whole lot but she was a very nice person well francis thank you so much for coming on the show it's really great to be able to catch up with you and also hear a little bit more about what you do um i know i've talked to you you know on a friend's basis and then i've seen you perform in your capacity as a musician but to actually be able to sit down with you and hear a lot more about it, you know, yeah, I think it's it's obviously great for this friendship. It's also really nice to have a new understanding and appreciation for what it is that you do. So for all those reasons, again, thank you so much for coming on the show and for giving us your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully someday I can pop on here again. I don't know if you have seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, <laughs> we've done it before and we will absolutely do it again. This is not the last time. Yeah. And to anyone who's watching anyone who's listening you know if you want to pursue a career in music or you want to pursue a career in the arts whatever it is that you want to do just know that it's possible because francis is a perfect example of it this is someone who has cultivated her craft over time who's found different sources of inspiration and new ways of approaching what she does in order to make herself successful and also as a person who is always open to growing and is always looking to expand what she does and you know i think it's best to approach your craft like that with enough dedication and with an open and flexible mind 
you can achieve what it is that you want to achieve, even if it's you versus the odds. So thank you for all tuning in. Thank you for coming here. And I hope to see you again because I appreciate every one of you. All right. So thank you. Take care and goodbye.